Greeny with Mike Greenberg, the podcast. Back and better than ever, Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance and my guest, as always, on the Goodyear Hotline, Mike Breen will be among them today. Your calls today on fans at games. The list is about my fan experience. Plus, I've got a story about the loudest boos I've ever heard, and they were for me. All that and more. The whole crew is here. We're ready to roll. Here we go! Only one place to start. But there is only one place to begin, and that place obviously is with the very latest on the extraordinarily scary day that we all had yesterday. All of us who love sports, all of us who love golf particularly, and that would include me at the very top of the list, spent some time yesterday, and there's really no other way to put it, being very afraid that we had seen an extraordinary, unspeakable, unimaginable tragedy in the middle of the day involving one of the legendary figures in the history of American sports, Tiger Woods. And so as I share with you the very latest that we have on Tiger right now, and we're not going to spend the whole show on this, but I can promise you that if there are any further developments or any further news, you will get them immediately here. But as I take you through what we can tell you about the injuries and the latest on the situation... I tell you that we do it with a sigh of relief. My my overriding emotion is with a sigh of relief. Golf is my favorite sport, and Tiger Woods is my favorite player. And he, when he has been at his best, he has given me more pleasure as a fan of sports to watch him than probably any other player I can ever think of. And he's not someone who is necessarily, this is not a personal relationship, although I do know him a little. Um, And obviously, that is the most important piece of this by far. And, and so that's what I will say, that yesterday, when the news of this first started to come out, this pit in your stomach that you got, and the immediate thought, you saw that car, and you thought to yourself, please do not let this be what it looks like it could be. And once your mind goes to that place, then I think you immediately start considering anything short of that to be good news. And so maybe that will explain why, as I read all of this to you, I tell it to you as though it feels to some degree as though it is good news, scary and frightening and disturbing and very serious as it all was. And a couple of things I can tell you about the injuries here. We will make this straight talk brought to you by Straight Talk Wireless. The statement says that Tiger underwent a long surgical procedure on his lower right leg and ankle, that he is currently awake and responsive and recovering in his hospital room The doctor said he had comminuted open fractures. I will confess, before today, I don't think I'd ever heard that word, and I definitely didn't know what it meant. And then when I read it, it scared me to death. A comminuted fracture means the bone is broken into more than two pieces. So if you can imagine a broken bone being like a pencil, if you snap a pencil, it breaks into two pieces. This injury is more like a pane of glass shattering. The bone is shattered into multiple pieces, and they are literally, and Stefania Bell used this phraseology on Get Up With Us this morning, they are literally putting it back together again like it is a jigsaw puzzle. And yet we know that through the miracles of advancements in medicine, that they will figure out how to do that, and that they will figure out a way to put this broken man back together again, and we can just hope that we will get the opportunity to see him. That's the selfish part of this. We will just hope that we will someday, once again, get a chance to see him playing golf again. Straight talk, wireless, no contract, no compromise. Because here's the bottom line of it here. The most important part of this is that he emerges from this healthy. The image of Tiger that we've always had of him in the red shirt and that celebration, that pump of the fist for which he has become so legendary, 
That I would have always thought would be the most lasting image of him I would have in my mind as I thought of him. And that was replaced a year ago, April, by the image of him lifting his son Charlie into his arms in triumph as they came off the 18th green in Augusta. And it was a moment in which life had come full circle for Tiger and for all of us who follow him. Because a generation before, a father and son had been on that exact same spot, sharing that same embrace in triumph. And it was Tiger and his father. And there he was, Tiger and his son, in that moment coming full circle. And as I said the following day, it was somehow exactly the same and yet completely different and better than it had ever been before. Tiger Woods has been so famous for so long, for so many reasons, that it's almost impossible to keep track of them all. But consider that when he won his first Masters, Tom Brady was the backup quarterback at Michigan, and George W. Bush was the governor of Texas. That was a lifetime ago. That was a different lifetime we were living in. And in the world of sports, Tiger Woods has been a constant through that in a never-ending, extraordinarily dramatic roller coaster of the highest of imaginable highs and the lowest of imaginable lows. That is the reality of the situation with Tiger Woods. There's also one other thing I want to tell you about today, and then we will get on to the rest of the, the day in sports here, and we'll talk about a bunch of other stuff with, again, the promise that if there is any further news whatsoever on Tiger's condition or anything else, you will get it immediately here. But you are going to hear the name Ben Hogan mentioned a lot in connection to this. And Ben Hogan is one of the greatest golfers that ever lived, as is Tiger Woods, of course. Ben Hogan, in the middle of his career, suffered an extremely serious car accident. In 1949, Hogan and his wife suffered a head-on collision with a Greyhound bus. I have all the details here. It took place in February in Texas. The bus was attempting to pass a vehicle on a narrow bridge. Hogan threw himself across his wife, Valerie, in the vehicle in order to protect her. As it turns out, he would have been killed had he not done so because the steering column in the car punctured the driver's seat of their brand new Cadillac. The accident left Hogan, who at time was 36 years old, with a double fracture of the pelvis, a fractured collarbone, a left ankle fracture, a chipped rib, and near-fatal blood clots. His doctor said he might never walk again, let alone play golf competitively. He was in the hospital for 59 days after the accident. Oh, by the way, he won six major championships as his life went on, including the U.S. Open the following year. Miracles happen. And that was 70 years ago. So the advancements in medicine and everything else from that time till this give us some hope that selfishly, Perhaps someday we will get to see that magic once more. And I will say again, as I said the day after it happened, a year ago, April, that in my entire life as a sports fan, which is basically every minute of my life for 53 years, I have seen many things that brought me joy beyond words, some of which moved me practically to tears. The most extraordinary thing I've ever seen was Tiger Woods winning the Masters a year ago, April. It is purely a coincidence and a miracle that that happened to be the first Masters I was ever assigned to cover. And to be there to watch that happen, it was the most amazing and memorable thing I've ever seen in sports. So those are just a a, a stream of consciousness of thoughts that I have on this the day after this extraordinary serious and scary news. But what we must take solace in is the fact that this could have been so much 
worse. We celebrate that. We wish for the best for Tiger, for his family, and we go forward. Again, if there's any further information on this, you will get it here immediately. Otherwise, we get back to the news of a very busy sports day and the green list coming up, which is fan-related. Your call's on the way today. We're busy. Glad you're here. I'm Greeny. This is ESPN Radio. For the ones who get it done, Granger offers high-quality supplies and solutions for every industry, as well as access to product specialists who have the knowledge and experience to answer your toughest questions. Plus, their commitment to being your safety partner can help you keep your facility safe and your people safer. Call clickgranger.com or just stop by. Shopping for Mother's Day is usually a challenge because you wait until the last minute, but Macy's Gift Finder makes it incredibly fast and easy to find the right gift just in time for Mother's Day. Whether you're shopping for your sister's first Mother's Day or your fashionista mom who loves to make a statement, Macy's Gift Finder has so many great gift ideas that you can easily pick out something special to celebrate them both. You can shop by price, anywhere from 25 bucks and under to 100 bucks and under. You can also sort by category like fragrance, handbags, and more, or gift lists like for the mom who has everything, pre-wrapped gifts or gifts for grandma. Find top brands like Studio Pro Model Beats headphones, Polaroid cameras, and Samsung smart TVs. So what are you waiting for? Mother's Day is May 12th. It'll be here before you know it. Macy's has the perfect gift guide to make picking something for mom easy this year. Head to Macy's.com slash gift finder today. That's Macy's.com slash gift finder. Greenie, the podcast. Next week with Greeny. Yes, sir! You believe in This is still the highest rated game in NBA history. The voices behind the biggest moments in sports. There it is. A win for the ages. Rebound! Score! It all starts Monday morning with Greeny. Now we're going to do announcers week next week, and I'm really excited about it as we sort of have this time between the end of the football season, the beginning of baseball and March Madness. We put together a list of legendary voices who will join me next week. And of course, I don't have the list sitting directly in front of me. So let me grab that for you here. Our list of broadcasters next week, we will have Vern Lundquist, Al Michaels, Bob Costas, Doc Emmerich, and Jim Nance. So that will be a terrific week. We'll have one a day, and we'll just share great stories of all their years covering these different sports, and that should be a lot of fun. So that's next week. We will do, um, we will do Announcers Week here on ESPN Radio. Meanwhile, I've got today's green list coming your way in 30 seconds. 30 seconds. I will give you the green list today, which is going to be a lot of fun right after this time for some straight talk. You know, your tax return could look different this year, but you're still going to hear a lot of noise about how to spend it. So when the big carriers tell you to splurge on the latest nonsense, just tune it out. With Straight Talk, you can get a Samsung Galaxy A51 for just $199, plus get the $45 unlimited talk, text, and data plan with no contract on America's best networks for up to 50% less. Tune out the nonsense, tune into Straight Talk, Straight Talk Wireless, no contract, no compromise. The list is what determines who matters in this business. The Green List. All right, so here's, here's the story on today's list. The green list every single day, my top five, this, that, or the other, as voted on exclusively by me. I'm going to be completely honest with you. We had scheduled today to do the greatest individual athletes, the greatest uh, athletes from individual sports of the past 20 years, of, of this century, going back to the year 2000. That had long been scheduled, and it was going to be names like Serena and Federer and Tiger Woods. And when this accident happened yesterday, I called up Nuno, the producer of the show, and we just realized we couldn't do the list today. It just would not have felt like the right thing to do. So we put together a little bit of a different list on the fly. This is one with which there can be no disagreement, 
because these are my top five most awesome places I have attended a sporting event. The top five coolest venues in which to attend a sporting event with my overwhelming advice that if you ever get the opportunity and you've never been to one of these places, you should go. Number five. Five is the garden, and it will always be for me. Now, I will admit to having a personal attachment to Madison Square Garden. I grew up in New York City. I grew up going to Nick Games. My first memories of sports were of the smell of cigars in the air at Nick Games in the, in the early 70s with my dad. And there was something magical about the place that I think continues to this day. It's a magnificent venue for concerts, too, by the way. But but purely for sports, there is still something as god-awful as the Knicks have been for the last 20 years. There's still something special about going to a game at the Garden. You can still sort of feel it. There's still something a little bit different about it. When they say the world's most famous arena, it, it still is. And I'll tell you a quick story about it. A million years ago, I was covering the Bulls, and they were in New York to play a playoff series against the Knicks. And I was, with all the other media, we were there on an off day for the shoot-arounds. So the way it would work is, one team would come, they would have their shoot-around, then they would meet with all the media, then they would leave, then the other team would come, they would meet with the media, then we would leave, and they would do their practice. And the little bit of interim time between the two teams being there, there was no one in the building, there was a rack of basketballs, and there was just all of us Chicago reporters. <laughs> and so I will admit it now. I don't know if this could have gotten me in trouble then, but I absolutely, and I was not the only one, picked up a basketball and shot around on the floor at the Garden. You're damn right I did. And it was one of the greatest moments of my life. And I was reenacting moments that I could remember trying to do the Bernard King turnaround on the baseline and all those things from that I had been watching all of my life. And then many years later, I got the chance to coach the celebrity game at the Garden. Me against Golik, we lost that game. My team lost that game tragically, and that's a whole other story for a whole other day. But there's still something unique about the Garden, and and I think maybe the New York kid in me still just sort of views it a little bit differently, maybe than the rest of the world sees it now. Number four. Four is Lambeau Field. Uh, As I've always said, you can smell the brats before you get off the highway. As you were driving over there, Lambeau Field on game day is unbelievable. I was there... I want to say three times, four times, I was covering the Bears. It's a division game, so they played them every year, uh, home and road. And the tailgating is unbelievable. The, the smell, of, I'm not kidding, the smell of the brats is just, makes your mouth water, makes my mouth water thinking about it now. And if you've never seen it, I assume you know this, maybe you don't. They don't have seats. There are no seats at Lambeau Field. It's all bleachers. It's all just like metal rows of seats everywhere and it's it's startling when you first see it like when you first when you see that for the first time you're like you know I think I knew that but until you actually see it you don't realize how different it looks than having a whole bunch of chairs so it's an incredible venue it is everything they say it is if you ever get a chance to go to a game at Lambeau Field I strongly advise number three three is the Rose Bowl for football Uh, going to a football game at the Rose Bowl and I have actually been to two I would I covered a Rose Bowl but more importantly, I covered a Super Bowl at, that was played in the Rose Bowl in Pasadena. It was the first of the back-to-back Buffalo Dallases. 52-17 was the final. But it was the first Super Bowl I ever attended or first one I ever covered. And um, it was an incredible experience, everything about it. But as the game is getting ready to start, the sun is starting to set over the mountains. You can see the mountains in the distance. 
and it is an, it, it just an extraordinary venue. And you know all the history, and you walk in, and the pictures are everywhere. It is a magnificent place to see a football game. So if you get a chance to see a football game in the Rose Bowl, I strongly recommend it. Number two. All right, so I really debated between two and one. Number two, I'm going to go the old Chicago Stadium. Not to be confused with the United Center. The old Chicago Stadium, and, and I will admit to having it being completely biased, but that is where I grew up. Now, I always tell everyone I grew up in New York, and then I grew up again in Chicago. I went to Chicago to go to college, and I wound up staying and working there, and I grew up in the business going to those games. And there were two things that will forever stand out to me. One, that was the first Jordan 3 Pete, which was the most incredible thing I've ever seen. And the atmosphere in that building, they called it the Madhouse on Madison. The atmosphere in that building was ridiculous. But even better than anything the Bulls ever did in that building, if you were ever there for a Blackhawks game, the way they cheered during the anthem, when they started the minute Wayne Mesmer would start singing the national anthem, the fans would start losing their minds. It's the only place I've ever heard that happen. It was a tradition, and it was... It would make it would make you like you would have goosebumps. It, it 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 would take your breath away. The sound of the crowd in that old building, that old dingy, smoky, dirty, disgusting building where you would see rats running around when you were downstairs in the bowels of the building, is a place I miss like a member of the family. It was a wonderful place to see a sporting event. So I can't advise you to go see something there now because unfortunately they tore it down. But it is one of it was the best venue of its sort that I've ever been to. Number one. But number one, and not because of the news with Tiger today, is Augusta National. It's a place that I've dreamt of all my life. If you love golf, the experience of going to the Masters is ridiculous. Ridiculous. They they everything you've heard about it is true. And the best thing about it, I will tell you the best thing about it. I've only been there once for the tournament, and it was 2019. It was the one that Tiger won just a couple of years ago. So obviously that was unreal. But the best thing about it is the no cell phone policy. You don't realize how good that is until you're living it. Hmm. But when you're watching, what, go look at the video uh, or any photo you will see of Tiger Woods winning that. And look at all the people standing behind him. He's got a crowd of thousands and thousands of people gathered around him. And look what every one of them isn't doing. Not a one of them has a phone up that they're taking a video. Of. They're actually watching it. They're actually experiencing what was happening. It's like, it's like turning back time to a time before there were phones and it was or before there were cell phones with cameras in them all the time. <laughs> and it is magnificent. And just walking the grounds, people just say hello to you. I mean, a lot of people there knew who I was. And instead of, hey, can we take a picture, which I'm always delighted to do. Don't get me wrong. But just we just talked. Hello, Greeny. How are you? Let's talk for a minute about what we're witnessing here. It was great. Everything about that event is great. I absolutely loved it. And so that is my top five Venues that I have been to to see sporting events, Madison Square Garden, Lambeau Field, the Rose Bowl, the old Chicago Stadium, and Augusta National. Now, I mentioned I have the crew here with me today. I have hashtag Hembo, I have hashtag Bubba, and I have hashtag Nuno. Let me go around the horn. Hashtag Hembo. You love baseball more than almost anyone I know loves anything. (laughs) What is your favorite venue you have ever been to to see a sporting event? Wrigley Field. Wrigley Field is the best place on earth to watch a baseball game. I'll never forget. I went there for the first time. It was a day game, like a crystal clear blue day. And I remember walking up from behind the concourse, like behind home plate, and seeing the expanse, right? You see the, you know, the, the, the green, the, the ivy on the fence like you've seen a million times in your life and all the rooftops. It was, 
It was unlike anything I've ever experienced. And, I would, and I've probably gone back 10 or 15 times. It was that cool. Yep. The Wrigley Field bleachers are an outstanding yeah. experience. Uh, there were six on my list. I debated where to put Wrigley Field. Um, if you've never, by the way, been to Wrigley Field and been to the men's room, the troughs are also a fascinating yes. experience. Um, fascinating is one way to put it. That was number six. Hashtag Bubba, what is your favorite venue you've ever attended a sporting event? Yeah, tough call, but I'm probably going to go with uh, Shea Stadium. <laughs> Okay. You know what? I loved Shea Stadium. And, and, and I, you're going to say that as a Met fan. You went to Met games. I went to Jet games. And not that I never went to a Met game. But for me, Shea Stadium will always be where I went to see the Jets. For you, it'll be where you went to see the Mets. Great stadium, yeah. Yeah. I mean, when that, hey, when that place was loud and rocking, it was a great place. It, it was. Part of that, I, I, I... it was our home, you know? It's, uh... I don't mean this critically, but, but part of that, I think, is just a function of you were young and you were there and it was such a great uh, experience because it was not a great stadium. Right. Shea but was, it was not a great stadium. stadium. But it was, it was our stadium. stadium. But it was yeah. your home. I get it. And there's an attachment you will have to it that I fully understand. Well, quickly, Se- second place is PNC Park in Pittsburgh. That place is great. That is a great place. Mm. We were there. Mike and I were there the first game ever at PNC Park. First game ever played there. Mike and I were there. That is, to this day, the drunkest I've ever been in my entire life. <laughs> I could tell that story if you want me to, but quickly, let me get Nuno in here. Nuno, your favorite place you've ever seen a sporting event? Well, I'm just going to go MSG because like you, I too got to shoot on that court. When did you get to shoot baskets on that court? 1996. I was a basketball manager for the University of Hartford and they played Hofstra there right before a Syracuse St. John's game. Wow. I like it. So there was Nuno out there shooting baskets. Grinny, I need you to tell your Manny Sanguian story. You want that story? I All right. It. I'm Grinny. I'm presented by Progressive Insurance, making it easy to bundle your home and car insurance. Now we, ha- now we, am- we arrive at a crossroads on the program. Just going to sit back and have a little story time. <laughs> tell me a story. Because what I had planned was to tell my story about what, when I got booed off the field at Yankee Stadium. But you're telling me you want to hear the Pittsburgh story. I want to hear the Manny Sanguians. Okay, let me get votes here. Uh, Bubba, which of these two? Because I wanted to tell a funny story today because it's a serious day. The Tiger, we're trying to have a little fun and laugh today. Which of those stories do you want to hear? Well, if you're telling me there's a story involving you, the drunkest you've ever been. Yeah, there was. I think I'm in, I want to hear that story. Okay, so, that, so that's it. No matter what else the votes, <laughs> the eyes have it. All right, I'll tell you that. So we go to Pittsburgh. So Pittsburgh, I will be, I will be forever grateful to the city of Pittsburgh. Because the city of Pittsburgh was the first place that Mike and Mike ever really took hold. When I first started working with Golik, we, we, no one was paying much attention to us. And that was the first city that we started doing pretty well, and that kind of begat a lot of other things. But as a result of our starting to do well there, we were there all the time. This is before our show was on TV, so we could travel anywhere we wanted. We could do the show from anywhere we wanted. So we were in Pittsburgh a lot. There was a time there we probably were going to Pittsburgh in the early days, I want to say five, six times a year. And so what, was, what year was the first game ever in PNC Park? Whatever it was, we were there. They were opening the ballpark that day, and Willie Stargell died that day. So the legendary pirate, Willie Stargell, dies the day that they're opening PNC Park. We actually have to share the news in a bar in Pittsburgh to our audience that Willie Stargell has died. And whatever it is, that's the show that day. So now we go to the game. They give us jerseys, Pirates jerseys, that say Greeny and Golick on the back of them. <laughs> So we were anything but incognito. We, whatever the opposite of incognito is, is what we were. And as I say, the show was, was reasonably popular there at the time. So we go to this game and we are sitting in seats. We're just in regular seats there with people. And we are sitting there and I am telling you that people passed me so many beers. I drank so many beers at that game 
that I ate a Primanti's Brothers sandwich. Now, if you don't know what that is, a Primanti's oh, Brothers yeah. sandwich Classic. has got French fries on it and Delicious. coleslaw on it, mm. and it was handed to me by a human being. The last thing I would ever do is eat food that was just handed to me yeah, by another shocking. random drunk in a ballpark. But I ate it. That's how drunk I was. So we are <laughs> obliterated drunk. Obliterated. And we have to go meet the rest of our crew. Like all the other ESPN people mm. are sitting in a skybox somewhere. Mike and I, and now we've got a, a, a road show. We've got like 50, 60 people that are, have now just sort of gathered around us. We are all together. We're like the Pied Piper walking out of this ballpark. <laughs> and we agree we're going to meet at the Willie Stargell statue. That's where we're going to meet up with the rest of our crew. So we go to the Willie Stargell statue. And we're standing, and I, I mean, I, 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 I honestly, I don't hold my liquor all that well. I can barely stand up. So we're standing outside this statue. Ten minutes go by, 15 minutes, 20 minutes go by, nothing. And there's no Willie Stargell. And so we get a phone call that says, where the hell are you guys? And I say, I'm at the Willie Stargell statue. And they say, well, are there flowers and all kinds? Are people putting wreaths and all kinds of stuff about it? I said, no, they aren't. And they said, you're at the wrong statue. And I looked at it, and I said, damn, it's Manny Sanguian. And so we leave and we go find the Willie Stargell statue. Well, the PS is that I tell that story on the air the next day. There is no Manny Sanguian statue. (laughs) What? So to this day, I don't know where we were. Not only was I at the wrong statue, but when I then identified the statue, I identified that wrong. So there is no Manny. This has been confirmed for me. Believe me, we did the homework. There is no statue commemorating the great Manny Sanguian, who was a great player in my youth. I remember him vividly. There is no statue commemorating him. So uh, to this day, I don't know where we were. Did you confuse him for Honus Wagner? No, I don't know. How about Roberto Clemente? I don't know. Here's the Mazeroski? What part of I don't know are you struggling with? I don't know. There are only four statues. Okay, well, we were at one of them, and it wasn't Manny Sanguian. I will tell you that right now. I can tell you where we weren't. I hope I am making it abundantly clear that I can't tell you where we were. I can merely tell you where we weren't. We were not at the Willie Stargell statue, <laughs> and we were not at the Manny Sanguian statue. And that, my friends, is the story of that day. When you tweet all that stuff out, guess what? Ta-da-da, we got it. My right. favorite tweet I, I insist. of the day. All right, calm down. <laughs> I talk over that thing every damn time. Well, Bubba, here's the thing. You make me these pieces of production, which are very good, and I know that you, that you work very hard on them, but they're all of varying lengths. So yeah, I never know. Keep people guessing. I never know when it's done. Well, but it's, you. it's me who's guessing. That's the problem. Right. Anyway, I insist that we read this tweet of the day. Greeny Insist is brought to you by DraftKings, America's top-rated daily fantasy app, and I'm going to tell you why I insist on this. Because I've had this tweet in the rundown now five days in a row, and I've never gotten to it. And it is a story that fascinates me. And I think it is illustrative of a really interesting situation in football. It is a tweet from Field Yates. And he tweeted that when Carson Wentz got traded, there is now not a single quarterback drafted in the first round from 2009 through 2016 that is still with his original team. That's 22 players Zero of them are still on the team. And I'll go through the names in chronological order. Matthew Stafford, Mark Sanchez, Josh Freeman, all gone. Sam Bradford, Tim Tebow, all gone. Cam Newton, Jake Locker, Blaine Gabbert, Christian Ponder, Andrew Luck, RG3, Ryan Tannehill, Brandon Whedon, EJ Manuel, Blake Bortles, Johnny Manziel, Teddy Bridgewater, Jameis Winston, Marcus Mariota, Jared Goff, Carson Wentz, Paxson Lynch. None of them are with the team that drafted them in the first round. 
What does that mean? I'll tell you what it means. It means drafting a quarterback is the ultimate crapshoot in sports. No matter how good you think a player is, no matter how certain you think you are, and it is because they are completely dependent on the situation they wind up in. They are totally dependent. Every quarterback is a system player. I've said it before and I'll say it again. If Patrick Mahomes had gotten drafted into the situation that a lot of these other guys got drafted into, he would not be Patrick Mahomes today. And if a lot of these other guys had been drafted by Kansas City and developed the way he's been developed, they would be a superstar today. This is not to diminish Patrick Mahomes at all. He is a great player. And he has done as much with that as probably could be done. He is the best player in the NFL. But what I'm saying is, when you are set up to succeed, a lot of people might succeed. And here's another problem. Because they aren't that expensive anymore, first-round picks, we just give up on them too fast. All of those are true. The NFL is the best business in the world, but the people who run the teams seem to lose a lot of their business genius when they make football decisions. They put people in place they believe in, and then they give up on them almost instantly. You hire a coach, you hire a general manager, you'd think you are painstakingly making these decisions. You're doing all of this work. You're putting together spreadsheets. You're asking other people their advice. You are making decisions you believe firmly about and people you believe in. And then two years later, they're done. You were that wrong? You would never run any other business that way. You don't become a billionaire running a business changing direction every two years. That's not how this stuff works. So what does that tell us? It tells us for all of us who are sitting here hoping our teams draft a quarterback in the first round, and many of us will, it's a crapshoot. It's about a 50-50 proposition that that player will wind up working out and winning absolutely anything for our team. You ask these questions. Okay. Greeny's question of the day. We didn't get to enough answers yesterday. I really liked the calls on this, and so I'm opening the phones to you again right now. 888-SAY-ESPN. It was a terrific topic yesterday, and I don't think we got enough of it. So my, call, my question of the day, again, as yesterday, is when you are watching games on TV, as you as a sports fan are watching all the sports you are on television, do you miss the fans? Again, I'm not asking if you miss being a fan in attendance. I miss that. I assume you miss that. Of that, there is no doubt. That should be pretty close to 100%. But when you watch a game, do you miss the fans? Do you miss the cheering? Do you miss the cutaways? Do you miss... The whatever it is in the atmosphere and in the experience that the fans being there create. That's the question. I'm not going to give you my answer yet in case you weren't with me yesterday because I don't want to influence the jury. 888-SAY-ESPN. Do you miss the fans being in attendance when you watch these games on TV? Back in a moment on ESPN Radio. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. 
Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Greeny, the podcast. Greeny with you, presented by Progressive Insurance. Mike Breen coming up on the Goodyear hotline to answer today's question of the day, which we have for you right now at 888-SAY-ESPN. When you watch games on TV, when you watch sports on television, which... If you're like me, you've done more of this past year than ever before. I've watched as much sports on television in, during this pandemic as I think I ever have before, if, if only because there's so much less other stuff to do. Um, do you miss the fans? Do you miss hearing them, seeing them? Whatever part of the experience of watching the game they are, do you miss them? That is the question, and we're coming to the phones at 888-SAY-ESPN for the answers. Bubba, who's first up? Frank is up. Frank, you're on ESPN Radio. Frank, do you miss the fans when you watch the games? You know, I'll tell you what, I don't miss the fans, Greeny. I think that when I see fans on TV, I'm a little like, well, you know, there's still coronavirus going on. Why is there fans allowed at games anyways? But, you know, certain states have their procedures and all that. But, no, I don't miss seeing the fans. Um you know, I, I miss one thing. You know, I watch uh, a lot of Hornets basketball. That's, that's you know, the closest team to me. Um, and when Terry Rozier hit the game winner the other night, I did maybe miss a little bit, you know, of fans going crazy. But I went just as crazy myself. I jumped up and I scared my wife and my dog because <laughs> I was just hooting and hollering. I had just as much fun in the comfort of my own living room watching the game and having fun there. Good for you. See, I like it. I, I'm totally with you. Yes, you, I also, I just want to want to keep the coronavirus out of the conversation because there's just nothing fun about that. I, too, sometimes when I see people in the stands, you're seeing who's wearing masks and who's not, and we could talk about that, but who wants to? There's just nothing fun about that. But he just shared what I said yesterday, and everyone yelled at me. I was universally yelled at. I don't miss the fans. I don't miss seeing the fans at the games. It doesn't really make any difference to me. It is not in any way impacting my enjoyment of watching these games on TV. Let's see what you think, Bubba. Who's next? We got Pat. Pat, you're next on ESPN Radio. Pat, (laughs) sorry, uh, that was an inside joke from yesterday. Pat, do you miss the fans at these games? I've been getting it's Pat since I was in elementary school from SNL, so it's okay. I understand it. But um, I miss the college fans, you know, because I think the kids in the atmosphere, the students, it's a whole different thing. And, you know, baseball season was one thing. That was just weird. I'm not going to lie. But the, the college sports, I really miss it because it's, it's a whole different atmosphere. I think we can all agree that when you're at a college sporting event and you hear that on the sound on TV, like, I'm a UCF fan. That stadium rocks, you know. Okay. It's, it's a whole different thing. You need the right. fans. That's the same thing Hembo said yesterday. I don't know. I watched a lot of college football this year. My team had a really good year. Northwestern, we had a great year. We played hugely important games. I never even noticed there were no fans. There. It, never, it never occurred to me for a second that there were no fans It's the there. first thing I noticed about every college football game. Why? Like, what difference does it make? Because You're watching the game. It's so part of the fabric, though. It's part of the deal. It's part of the presentation. I love that piece of it. I Doesn't love the me. human element. 
the human element is on the field. I actually prefer it with football because you can hear them. I like hearing the quarterback calling out signals. I like hearing the interaction between the players. In basketball, I like hearing the coaches. I like hearing the players calling stuff out on the floor. In some ways, I actually like it better. Golf is the only place where it really jumps off the screen because there's no ability to manufacture any noise. There's no music or anything being pumped in, so it's just dead silence when a guy hits a great shot and it nestles one inch from the cup and you hear dead silence. (laughs) But even that doesn't bother me. I don't care. Who's next, Bubba? Who's next up here on ESPN Radio? Eric, up next. Eric, do you miss the fans? You know what, Greeny? I really don't for the most part. Um, I've been watching football, basketball, and they've been pretty, doing a pretty good job disguising it. I have one exception, though. When I watch WWE, if you count that as a sport, I miss the audience so much. They, they can dictate the narrative of the whole story of what's going on, and when you get the pop from the crowd, it's really something else. Well, that is an interesting one because I, I do count it for the purposes of this discussion. Yeah. Call it whatever you want to call it. I do believe that in, in wrestling, and I grew up a huge fan of wrestling, the fans are actually a part of the action. Like, they, they are a part of the, 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 the wrestlers, are the, the stars in the WWE, they are purely playing to that audience, right? That's a part of what they're doing, much more so than in any other sport. I, I'm going to use the word legitimate sport. I don't mean that to sound as pejorative as it does. But when you're playing baseball, basketball, football, golf, whatever it might be, you're doing what you're doing. Whether there are fans there or not has nothing to do with it. The stars, the performers in WWE are bringing, purposely bringing the audience into the experience. I actually think that's the best one I've heard so far. It's a good one, but you don't, you don't think that the fans impact the outcomes of other sporting events? Like, no, they may. I don't care if they impact the we, outcomes. We saw like home records decline more than... Yes, but that's not what we're talking about. You're asking me whether I miss it or not. I don't care. I don't miss it one way or the other. It definitely has an impact on the game. No crowd noise definitely has an impact in the NFL. When you're on the road, when you're in the Superdome and you're in all the Kansas City, all these different places, mm-hmm. the home field advantage is nothing compared to what it usually is. But what do I care? I'm sitting on my couch. No, but I like that it is, it is impactful. That, that is a fun, that is a, a charming variable to the experience. You go ahead and like it. I don't miss that variable one bit. I, mm. I genuinely don't. I got time for one more. Everyone's <laughs> agreeing with me, and I love it. Baba, give me one more. Yeah, let's go to Brooklyn. We got Darren. Darren in Brooklyn, uh, do you miss the fans when you watch games? Um, Greeny, what's up, Greeny? I definitely, I don't miss the fans because the, the games, they still, the level of play is still high, especially the basketball but I do miss fan reactions to certain things, especially like Knicks games. You know, like it's like a Broadway show. I miss the defense chance. And I miss um ball places too, because that atmosphere of basketball is like like a pickup game at Rucker Park. So I basically I miss the fan reactions, but I don't miss fans not being there because the games, the play been still high. All right, fair enough. I like the call. Thank you. I'm having a little trouble hearing uh, on this end, but I appreciate the thought. I think I got the gist of it there. So look. There's no right or wrong answer to this, with the exception of the fact that as a general rule, my answer is right and your answer is wrong. (laughs) But there are things about not having fans at these games that I actually think make it better. There I said it. See what you think here. We'll continue with that. Again, Mike Breen texted me when we were having this conversation yesterday. He has a very strong take, and he'll join us in our next hour on ESPN Radio. Greeny, the podcast.